Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast. In the next few episodes, we're doing something a little bit different. We're focusing on some of the factors outside of work that we think will help you to succeed in work. And the topics we're covering are health, sleep, money and relationships. And we're absolutely not the expert in any of these (laughs) topics. So we've decided to choose a different book to both read. And in our conversations together, we'll be talking about what we've learned and how it's helped us and hopefully how it might help you too. You realise, Sarah, that our work should be transformed by the end of this series. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's, um, let's maybe wait until after today's conversation <laughs> yeah, before yeah. we decide whether that's true or not. Because today we are focusing on money. And I think it's fair to say of all of the four topics, we have found this one quite tricky to discover the right books that we thought were going to be helpful for everybody listening. So Helen, do you want to talk to us a bit about what book you have ended up choosing and why? Yeah, I started and stopped with a few and I was like, this isn't useful. This isn't useful. And I ended up with one which was interesting. I've had to make like work quite hard to make it useful, but I didn't think I could pick up and put down another book on money. So I've gone with a book that has had over 1 million copies sold, it proudly says on the front, The Psychology of Money, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed and Happiness by Morgan Housel. So similar to Helen, I started and stopped quite a few different books. Now, I do want to give a shout out to one book that I did read and just didn't quite work for our podcast format, but was a useful read. And that was Money, A User's Guide. And that's by Laura Watley. I've seen it in loads of bookshops, gets really good reviews and ratings. And I think as a practical guide to finance, it is really helpful. It will tell you what an ISA is. It'll explain how renting works, but it's almost so relentlessly practical. It didn't really, unless I was going to come on the podcast and talk to you about ISAs and savings, (laughs) it didn't really feel like it was going to work. But that was a useful book on money and I've recommended it actually to a few people I think perhaps particularly if you are starting out it was one of those books you know you think oh I wish I'd read that in my early 20s because I think sort of Laura's own experience with money as well she sort of reflects a bit on that but it is a really good practical guide then I read a few others that I really did start and stop and thought this is not very useful (laughs) or was going in lots of different directions And then I thought, I'll pick a book that I would never normally read, because I think this series is an opportunity for us to do something a bit different. So I read a book called You Are a Badass at Making Money by (laughs) Jen Sincero, and her books have A, sold lots, and they get incredibly good reviews, thousands and thousands of reviews. 
but it is not a book I would have ever picked off the shelf. I think the title would have perhaps put me off, if I'm honest. And even how it's described, I was like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't really feel like something I would normally spend time with. But I think it's good to challenge you your assumptions. Yourself. Your growth mindset was in action. It was. And I thought, okay, do you know what? Let's. I've not really read very many books on money, so let's see. And then let's see if I think this would help me with me and my career. So should we dive into what have we learned about money? Do you want to go first? Yes. Okay. So bearing in mind mine is a bit more psychological, given the nature of the book. The first thing that I learned, being rich is different to being wealthy. Tell me more. I'll tell you more. Okay. So I've written down rich equals. (laughs) Okay. Rich equals your current income. So cash and flash is what I wrote down. So like your current income, your ability to take yourself out for a nice dinner, to buy yourself some nice clothes. Like if you can afford to do that, you are sort of rich today. But that is different to wealthy because in the book, he says that wealth is hidden. So it's not cash that you flash. It's the stuff that you can't see. It is basically income, not spent. So you have that money, but you are choosing not to spend it. So like savings. Well, yes, and we'll get on to savings. I'm going to get on to... I've got my second thing I learned was about savings. But I thought that was quite interesting, actually, just to distinguish between just because you see somebody... Let's say you see someone who's got lots of things. You're like, oh, wow, they, I don't know, they always dress really well or they've got a nice, I don't know, they look nice or they've got nice things. That might mean that they've got a lot of current income, but that is different to someone who is wealthy because the point in the book is that actually someone who's wealthy has money that you can't see. It might be invested or it might be saved. And actually over the longer term, wealth is what matters. Okay. Okay. So that, that was the first thing I thought was an interesting thing to reflect on. On to savings, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. Savings are the gap between your ego and your income. Oh, which I like. And it said there was a nice little quote in the book. It says, "Savings can be created by spending less. You can spend less if you desire less. You will desire less if you care less about what other people think." which is where that ego bit comes in. I thought that was really interesting. Like how much of your spending is driven by something that you want to acquire because it will influence what other people think of you. And I don't think a lot of people would admit that, but are you dressing nicely because it makes you feel good or because it's to fit in with other people or it's what's expected of you in a certain group? Or are you buying a new car because your friends have, or is it because, you know, you generally think it's going to get you to another place more comfortably or faster that kind of stuff I thought it was interesting savings of the gap between your ego and your income what do you think about this statement I was just trying to think about anything that I spend money on that feels more ego related because I think I'm I'm more of a saver than a spender what would you describe yourself as? Uh, you know the answer to that. You know, I was reading this with like two different... So Sarah and I are like super different with money. And I'm definitely more like rich and Sarah's more wealth, I would say, based on what we've got to. Because I do like buying things. And I don't know... I don't really know if it's ego-driven, though. It did make me question. Like, I just really like nice things and I like I like nice clothes yeah. and nice watches and nice things. Like, I've always... Like, Sarah and I have known each other 20 years and you've, that has always been me, right? I've always yeah. been that person who's... And I was just stuff. thinking, I think, I, you know, I was thinking more about you when you were talking about ego than I was about me because I was thinking, I'm not sure your purchases are driven by ego. I think they're driven by enjoyment. Yes, I think <laughs> because... they are too. I just like, I like, I like <laughs> a new bag and, a, and I, I like it all. So it did make me think, I'm considering buying a new watch and I was like, <laughs> but am I buying this new watch for ego or am I buying it because I just like a new watch? And I, I really, it's really made me pause on my decision 
purchase. And I think that's one of the things that you and I were together yesterday and we were talking about some of the challenges of finding useful books on money. But we were both saying that almost the process has encouraged us to reflect on our relationship with money. And it did remind me that when I was younger... I used to have, you know, when you go to a bank, they give you the little bags for putting money in. And I don't bags? Know if, oh, yeah, the little see-through oh, small bags. The little plastic ones for yeah. your pennies. I thought you meant like some kind of like, I was like, well, how much money did you yeah. have? Like, Millions. Some tote bag or yeah. something. <laughs> no, you know the little small ones that you get? Well, I used to when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, and to I used, pennies. Yeah, so I used to save up like five Ps and 10 Ps and 20 Ps. And so from like my pocket money or money that I'd got, and I would like, keep all of that money I really I've got quite vivid memories now I've thought about it like almost like hoarding and I just quite liked it I liked the seeing it grow and I'd not even got anything specific that I was saving for which I thought oh that's quite interesting it wasn't like I was motivated by oh, I'm saving up for this you know magazine as a kid or this top that I want to buy I just liked the oh that feels good that I have saved that money and I wonder whether that probably says quite a lot about you in terms of your relationship with money is like maybe I'm assuming a bit probably how you grew up, what your parents were like, but that I've probably always slightly been more of a saver. It's so funny. I was just thinking about children and, um, uh, and I went for a walk this weekend with my children and my daughter Madeline, we were walking in a forest and she decided this was a great time to wear a pink mouse bag, um, and, <laughs> and, which I didn't realise she'd got. Anyway, we we're walking in the forest and she's got a pink mouse bag on and it's jangling as she's walking. <laughs> I'm like, Madeline, what's what's in your what's in your bag? She's like, oh, money, mummy. And I was like, okay, she's five. And I was like, what, what money? And she's like, all the pennies, all the pennies. She's like, do you want some money? And literally for the rest of the walk, she's like, do you want some money? She was just trying to give them money. <laughs> a, she decided to take a bag full of pennies on a walk in a forest in a pink mouse bag. And then she was just like, do you want to give some away? And I was like, oh, it's probably a bit like me being like, oh, I've, I've got it. I always used to be when I was younger. But this is where I think we're different. I would always go on holiday with my dad and I would have some spending money for this trip and we used to go to like National Trust properties all the time it's like the three seas holiday it was it castles churches and cathedrals would always <laughs> always feature in a, in a holiday with my dad and I would go to like the National Trust shop with my two pounds or whatever I was given and my mission would be to spend every single penny there was I mean there was no saving going on when I was five or six so yeah I think we might have some differences Sarah possibly mm. um, the last my last learning that I have noted down was that flexibility and control over your time is an unseen return on wealth and the point in the book is that yes money can buy you things fine but actually one of the biggest things that money so you know savings can buy you is freedom and flexibility and people don't necessarily consider the value of that because it's perhaps a bit intangible but it gives you choices and I just think very much about what that has enabled us to do so when Sarah and I started our business over 10 years ago we saved all of the money. I mean, in the beginning, it didn't really make a lot, but every little bit it made, we saved. And it meant that when we were considering leaving our corporate roles, you know, sort of seven years on from when that business started, and we were considering leaving our corporate roles because we hadn't spent the money that had accumulated during our work on a side project over seven years, suddenly we had this choice of, okay, well, one of us could leave our corporate job and we've got sort of like a six-month financial runway to see whether we can turn this side project into an like a viable business that could actually pay us both a salary. And we wouldn't have had that flexibility and that freedom had we not saved those funds. And so I think I really related to that point in the book when I read it. Also, what is interesting is you and I have a very different, I think, personal approach to money 
But from a business perspective, we don't argue about money That's ever. Yeah. We don't, it never causes friction. We argue about other stuff um, <laughs> or have, you know, heated debates or whatever we want to call them, whatever I meant to more positively call them. <laughs> and there are other things I think we definitely disagree on, but actually money has never been a challenge for us so far, which I do think is interesting given we have different kind of personal starting points. And maybe that's because you are, because we're aligned in what we're trying to do and how we want to do that. I don't know, but I do, I do find that interesting. Mm. So um, a couple of things that I learned from the book. The first one was around the complications in terms of our relationship with money. Money is something that we don't talk about. Lots of people don't talk about and that it can cause friction. And one of the things that Jen says is that the beliefs that we have, and sometimes these beliefs are quite limiting, really impact our relationship with money. So she sort of uses this equation where she says, your thoughts inspire your emotions, which inspire your actions, and then that forms your reality. And her argument is that sometimes we are very attached to the unhelpful familiar, which is her sort of starting to point to why you might stay in a job that feels very safe and secure because you'd be worried that, okay, well, if I did go to run my own business or I did try to do something different, you know, what are the, like the financial implications of that? And we're always kind of happier with kind of what we already know. And it's sort of about our relationship a bit with uncertainty. And I was thinking about, I think for me, from a money perspective, as I've got older, as I've kind of grown into an adult away from my 5p money bags from a kid, <laughs> I do think I've got some limiting beliefs around money because I wasn't very good at maths at school. So I was like, oh, because I, I actually think from a thought perspective, I always think I'm just not very good at numbers. I think then my emotion is I'm nervous about money. I get quite nervous about, oh, I don't think I understand. I don't think I would be able to make kind of good decisions. And then in terms of the actions that inspires, I think that makes me very cautious. And it means that I would always sort of play it very, very safe in terms of the money that I've got. So I hate the idea of losing money that I've earned. So, you know, you should, I'm sure you should like invest, you know, to make good returns or whatever. And I've got friends who do that, who almost like quite enjoy, you know, like dabbling with maybe buying some stocks and shares, which probably the way I'm describing this shows just how little I know about this. But Put I've definitely... money into these uh, in. Investment yeah, investment things, things. Um, which yeah tells you everything you need to know about my finances. But you know the idea, and you know you always. I mean, I also worked in a bank. Like <laughs> I worked for Barclays, but you know they you always get that disclaimer. Um, you know, with your investments, your money can go up and down, and you need to be aware of that. And I was like, the idea that money that I have worked hard to earn could diminish, could go down. I find that really difficult to get my head around. I also get that then there's a really big upside that you could invest in something that then you could, there could be really big rewards. But you know, that kind of risk reward thing, I was like, I think I am, it really made me think I am quite risk averse. It's why I don't have like loads of savings or, you know, like Helen and I've talked about, we sort of need to sort our pensions out and all those kind of things. Like we are, we are definitely not role models at all when it comes to money. But I, I, from reading the book and thinking a bit more about money, it definitely made me think about what are the beliefs that I've got that might sometimes get in my way around money. So I found that quite interesting. Mm. As you go through the book, there are some questions and sort of exercises that I did find useful to consider. So one of the questions was write down five positive words to describe money. And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. Just like see what words you would write down. So I wrote down opportunity, presence, 
freedom, experience and food. Nice. Nice. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, and I think I actually think that is a good exercise. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, right. Like what it's kind of what does money mean to you? And especially, you know, you talked about feeling nervous about money. I think those words could help you to create a more positive association with it. Yeah, which is exactly what I think Jen is encouraging you to try to do. And then almost finish this sentence. I'm grateful to money because. So, you know, if you have almost like, um, you're not sure how you feel about money or perhaps you worry about, you know, sometimes it feel, you feel a bit uncertain about having money or maybe apologetic about money. So like what is good about money? Like why it's a good thing? We should try and have a good relationship with money. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And then one of the other things I like that she suggested, the book is very into manifestation and visualization your favorite thing um which i found challenging <laughs> at times i think it's fair to say we'll come on to that but one of the exercises which i i do think could be helpful is to do a what you would like a day in your life to be like so almost like be really specific and like, i think that's quite a fun exercise just to, and you might do one version of a day in the life that doesn't feel too far away from where you are today and maybe you do one really ambitious one and so you do a couple of those and then you sort of ask yourself the question and what does that mean in terms of like money and what does that mean in terms of like finances so if that is a day in the life that i'm really motivated by or that i'm working towards like what does that mean that i would need to do or the decisions that i might need to make because one of the points that she does make is sort of if you want to change your finances you have to be prepared to make changes you know it's not just going to happen you have got to proactively make some choices and some decisions so I thought those were some useful things as we went through the book and then my final thing is something a bit different and is cheating so I ran out of things from the book um never a good sign never a good sign (laughs) and then I listened instead to an episode of Ted Business called 
the emotions. This is such a cheat, Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. Right, so you ran out of but it's really things. good. It's this okay, is this is right. good. This is like an extra bonus. It is from so, something else. <laughs> this is a the TED Business Podcast, and it's called The Emotions Behind Your Money Habits. And it's a guy called Robert Abel. He's an accountant. And it's really short. You listen to it for like 13 minutes. And I really enjoyed listening to that. I found it helpful. And he talks about how basically your relationship with money reflects your relationship with your life. So, and how a spreadsheet can actually tell a story about who you are and what's important to you. And almost by coincidence, I didn't know this is what he was going to talk about. Me and my partner have actually been through this exact exercise really recently. And so what you do is you do a spreadsheet where you sort of say, here's everything I've spent in the last six months and you categorize it. There are even like some banks and I think and apps that do this for you. So you'd be like, oh, I spent this much on food or on health or on fun stuff, whatever categories you sort of want to come up with. Then you view that spending with a kind of inquisitive and curious mind. So you're not trying to blame yourself or beat yourself up. You're just trying to look for patterns and ask yourself, is there anything you are shocked or surprised by? And his point is, sometimes our money knows us better than we know ourselves. And having done this exact exercise really recently, prompted by my partner not working at the moment. So we were going, we sort of need to ref- like think about our finances and do a bit of rejigging, certainly like in the short term. We actually did this and realized that we spent way more than we realized on takeaways. So I talked about how much like that doesn't surprise me. You're always having a takeaway. Not anymore. Not oh, anymore. Right, okay. not, not since the old spreadsheet came into came into life. Are you, are you cooking more in now? Well, when you say me, I mean oh, sorry, I, I obviously I, I'm not cooking more. But um his whole point is it's the difference between avoiding versus being accountable. So I would have always said like, oh yeah, we definitely get a few takeaways. Like I love food. That feels, yeah, I'm not going to apologize for that. That's, that's something I really enjoy. But when you do the spreadsheet, you are, I was surprised by like the frequency and just like the number, you know, as in like the amount of money you're then spending on that thing. Basically Deliveroo is making a lot of money from my house. And then you sort of ask yourself, okay, so like, why is that? Is it because you're having a particularly busy week? Is it because you're stressed? Are you doing it when you're stressed and when you're celebrating? You know, like almost, it's interesting to see what are the behaviors that are driving that spend. And then thinking about, do you feel good about that? Does that make you feel proud about spending that money? Or is there something you want to try doing differently? And so I think the reason I liked listening to him is I was like, it felt really practical and it felt very doable. And having done it, and that was a pure coincidence, it's meant that things like we still get takeaways because I love getting a takeaway, but we probably get like 70% less. We probably just get like one every week or one every other week. And suddenly you spend a lot less and then I feel good about that. Or you realize things like recently, I was actually telling Helen this this week, I realized I was spending like twice as much on my internet as I probably should be. And it sort of prompts you to just reevaluate how you're spending your money, but not in a way that made me feel bad, in a way that actually made me think, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to take that accountability. So it's quite a simple thing. And I'm sure some people listening are probably already very on top of this stuff and have done it before. I certainly hadn't. I hadn't sort of looked at my money in this way. And I think then you can sort of, uh, my partner, I have to say, is an accountant. So this spreadsheet that we have created is incredible. I'm also not allowed to touch it because I might mess up the, I think there are formulas and all sorts. What's interesting is my partner just enjoys the process of the spreadsheet. I think I enjoy the so what of the spreadsheet. He actually enjoys creating it and tracking it, but I'm not sure if he'd necessarily do anything that differently. Whereas I sort of go, oh, that's really interesting. 
I think I could spend a bit less on Amazon or I could spend a bit less on takeaways or I could reduce my internet and still get the same broadband that I need. So that has been a very practical thing that I I can personally say has been really helpful for me. And then listening to that podcast, I was like, oh, that's him sort of reinforcing something that I have experienced as being really, really helpful. You know, I love a scale and a matrix. Obviously. And uh, and listening to you makes me think about like a scale where on one end of the scale, you've got wasteful and on the other end of the scale, you've got watchful. And I was listening to you and thinking, I really don't think I'm very good at managing money at all. And I think that I avoid, to your point, I kind of actually avoid looking at it. So I would very rarely go into my bank account because I'm like, oh gosh, there's loads of stuff that I probably should stop subscribing to or I've probably done like you know like way too many top-up shops in a week like you Mm. know those ones that where you incrementally spend more because you're doing like lots of top-up shops and it makes me think probably if I was to look at a scale at the moment between wasteful and watchful I'd be much more towards wasteful because I kind of I avoid looking because I think it's almost a bit scary but I think if I could become more watchful and almost think of like one small change a week and maybe that's too frequent or like, you know, one action for money management a month. You love the alliteration. But um, I think I could make sort of incremental improvements. Spending loads of time in my bank balance and completely changing the way that I live and spend feels a bit daunting. But thinking, is there one subscription that I could cancel? Is there one top-up shop that I could stop like one small action a week or something like that I think over time I could probably become more watchful and less wasteful but I think a radical change overnight just makes me think oh no I'll just I'll just do that another day yeah I think that's a good way to view it it is interesting because we've been thinking about this topic for three or four weeks and I think because it has been a hard topic to find books that we could both really connect with on but I have spent quite a lot of time thinking about money so I mean lots of companies are not as well off now because of this Mm. (laughs) because Mm. I have probably changed or cancelled or realised I was spending money in certain places to exactly to your point that was wasteful and it's really been a prompt for me to do something about that so that's probably what it's made me do differently so reading Jen's book listening to the podcast reading some other books um and even like reading Laura's book which like I say sort of described in very simple terms to me some things that I probably didn't understand that well just made me start to go am I being as accountable as I could be with my money also made me think a bit about who do I admire in terms of how they sort of not necessarily spend their money but almost like manage their money and I've got a couple of friends where I feel like they're really on top of it you know they're really they're very organized and they've got a really positive relationship with money. They would talk about it very kind of openly, not in a showing off as in I've got loads of money, but as in they're confident about they have taken that accountability. And then I see that in just how they describe the decisions that they've made that are kind of right for them. And I I admire that. So there is a bit actually in Jen's book about your relationship with money is also impacted by the people you're spending time with right now as well as the people you grew up with and I have got a couple of friends where I was like oh I think they they do this really well already so I could probably and I think previously I've discounted myself and gone oh but I couldn't do that because that's just not me back to beliefs that can get in your way whereas now I've sort of challenged myself to go why why couldn't that be me and is that actually just about taking that a bit more accountability and having just feeling a bit more proud about how I manage my own money So who would you recommend the book that you read to, Helen? I think as long as you're not looking for quick tips. So if you want a kind of quick tips, this isn't the book for that because you have to work very hard to kind of get something useful from an action perspective out of it. But I think if you have got a bit of time 
to think about money and you want to think about your relationship with money. It's actually got a nice couple of stories in there. Slightly weights it towards Warren Buffett. There's a lot of Warren Buffett. There's a lot of Bill Gates references in the book. But if you want some stories to bring it to life, if if you've got some time to think about money, I think this is a good book. If you want to take action, if you've already, I think if you're already in the headspace of I need to do something differently, this probably isn't the first book to read. But if you're just thinking maybe I could do something different with money, maybe I'd like to improve my relationship with money and understand it a bit more and you've got the time to reflect on it, that is who I would suggest this book to. What about yours? Um, Long pause. So, (laughs) I think if you like the title of this book... And repeat it, Sarah, because you said it so positively. You are a badass at making money. Sounds great. So if you like the sound of that title, I suspect you might like the book. If you are very on board with the word awesome, um, and manifesting, then I think, and visualisation. Um, I'm so proud of you for reading this book. I, th- I think you might enjoy it. There are some useful things in there, but they are repeated, I would say, quite frequently. And I did have to work quite hard to get through the book. You know, and books, not every book is for everybody. And this this just wasn't a book for me. But as we have talked about, I think there are some, because it's, it has prompted me, though, to think about money and to think about my relationship with money, how I've grown up thinking about money, where I am with money today. And so I'm really glad that we chose it as a topic because, again, I really enjoyed listening to that TED podcast, which I would recommend to everybody. Yeah, it's just a really interesting 13-minute listen. And so... Spending some time, I think, thinking about money in relation to the work that you do, how you're living your life is a useful thing. Whether this book is the right thing to help you do that, I think will be very personal to you and whether you like those style of books. And so a quote then, Sarah, from the book that you worked very hard to read, did any particular statement or sentence stick? Yeah, there was one, um, so, which I do actually, this one sentence I do really like. Is it that you are an awesome badass? Um absolutely not um it was because we are creatures of habit who tend to have our words on repeat they become like a chisel that forms grooves in our minds playing the same stories over and over anchoring in our thoughts and beliefs and defining our reality I think that one if it had just been that one sentence that would have been really helpful for me that book also I feel like the way you read it it gives it gives real gravity to that quote as well <laughs> so maybe if you read the audiobook like if you were if you were the voice of the audiobook it might it might give it that gravity behind I mean the, I behind the don't want to read that no. audiobook <laughs> Sarah is not picking up that monkey <laughs> my quote see if we see what you think about this one financial success is not a hard science it's a soft skill where how you behave is more important than what you know I like that. I like that. Yeah, and it gets you away from, you know, I said to you, I think I've got a bit of a fixed mindset sometimes about my ability with money, whereas that suggests it's not about that. Yeah, it's thinking about your behaviours, you know, why you're spending, why you need to do that, what's driving it, rather than do you know the current interest rate or APR that you're paying on a credit card type stuff. Like, you don't have to be an expert. It's more about your experience and your beliefs around money, which actually, even though these two books are very different, I think is something that connects the two. So what we will do is we will create a pod sheet for you, everybody, that has summary of some of the things we talked about, some of the bits that have really helped us and made us think differently. Some of those questions that Sarah shared as well, if you kind of want to do some money visualisation or 
get a more positive association with money. They're actually definitely actions I'm going to do. I like those ones. You can download that pod sheet from um, the link on the show description, which tends to be on Apple Podcasts, or you can just go to amazingif.com, our website, and you'll be able to find that. If you ever can't find any of our resources, by the way, it's just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com, and we'll send them to you. You can also sign up for Podmail, which is a weekly email which curates it all to make it super easy for you as well. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks everyone. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 